Good morning again. Hey, so Fort Wayne, Indiana. I grew up in Indiana. Anybody ever been there? A couple of you guys. Pretty awesome. A little bit forgettable. Um, at, at the age of 20, I moved as a missionary and as a church planter to the west coast of Mexico. So you got to just kind of picture a little bit the difference between Indiana and the west coast of Mexico. Pretty big difference. You go from corn, uh, which is basically Indiana's corn, uh, to the beach. And as a 20-year-old going down to the beach, I was pretty thankful for the call of God. Pretty thankful. My family doubted a little bit how much it was legitimate that God was calling me. Um, but my basic picture of a ministry was having a Jesus loves you towel, like a beach towel, hanging out at the beach and rolling over every once in a while so people could see the towel and they would know that Jesus loved them. That was kind of this picture that I had for ministry. And um, the office that we had, we started, when I got there, it was a church of about 30 people. And it grew. I did the, the student ministry and did the worship ministry. And uh, in spite of that, the church grew. And, and a lot of people got, got saved, came to know Christ, grew in their faith. We had a beautiful office. And to get to the office, I had to drive down the beach every single day to get there. And it, it, didn't, for, it took a long time for me to forget that I was a kid from Indiana uh, because I was just blown away to see the, to see the ocean. The place we lived is a city called Mazatlan. Some of you may have been there before. Uh, beautiful islands off the coast, just an incredible place. We did scuba diving and skiing and swimming, and I never learned to surf. I got beat up a couple times trying to do that, um, but just absolutely gorgeous. And I was there 10 years, and I remember, I don't know at what point, but the, the beauty of the beach just kind of just stopped having this effect on me. Uh, the corn never stopped having an effect on me. I remember that pretty well. But the, the beauty of the beach, I would drive down the beach and then not even look over and see it anymore. Um, I remember once my brother came and visited. It was in January, and it was cold. It was probably 65 degrees or something. And he's out in his shorty shorts in the beach. And I'm, my, my family, we're bundled up in towels on the beach, like freezing to death, not wanting to get in the water. And it's an incredible example of how something that's so majestic and so incredible. Don't be thinking about the beach in Galveston, because you won't be able to go with me with this example if you think of that. But something gorgeous, not brown, but something beautiful and gorgeous, how it becomes just kind of just routine and ordinary and mundane. To the point of it just didn't capture my attention anymore at all. Um, well, that's not completely true, but, but just waned the magnificence of the ocean. And I've, and I've seen that in my walk with the Lord. I've seen that in my study of the scripture that sometimes you lose the awe, the awesomeness and the wonder and the power of the scripture. And the scripture that we're going to look at today is, is what happened after Jesus raised from the dead. Um, and it's stories that we've read a lot of times and it's passages that we're familiar with. But I, I don't want us to lose the wonder. I don't want us to lose the magnificence of what the scripture's teaching us. Because the question is this, what did Jesus do after he was raised from the dead? When he said on the cross, it is finished, why did he have anything left to do? Because if it's finished, it's finished, right? But when he said it was finished, he was talking about his work of redemption. He was talking about paying the price in full for our sin, which was absolutely finished. There's no need for any further uh, sacrifice to be made for our sin. But what wasn't finished was what he was still gonna do. And it was the time that he was going to spend on, on the earth. And we see even on his first day of, of his resurrection, on that resurrection Sunday, five different times he visited uh, with people there. We see it where he, he saw Mary Magdalene. He saw the other women. 
He saw two of them on the road to Emmaus. He was covering some ground on that day. Uh, he, he saw Peter, and he saw 10 of the disciples with Thomas being absent and Judas obviously being out of the picture. But Jesus, when he died, he rose from the dead. Instead of just going directly to the Father because his work was finished, what he did was he came and he, and he spent time with his brethren. And he actually he told Mary Magdalene, he says, go and tell my brethren that I've raised from the dead. It was the only time in Scripture, the first time that he ever called them his brethren. Um, they'd been his friends, uh, but now they were his, his brethren. And it's incredible to know that he, what he wanted to do is he wanted to come back and he wanted to be with them. He wanted to speak with them. And we're going to look at specifically what he wanted to speak in John chapter 20. If you have a Bible, open that up or on your phone. Um, it's also going to be on the screen. Uh, verse 19, chapter 20, verse 19. And this is the very day of his resurrection. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then the passage that Seth read, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So this, this conversation he's having with the disciples, don't lose the context. The context is he's been crucified. Um, he'd been abandoned by them, right? They, they'd left him. They'd abandoned him. They were afraid. They ran for their lives. They left him in his suffering by himself. Uh, Peter obviously had denied him. Uh, all this is going on. Jesus uh, dies a horrific death, raises from the dead, and then he goes to be with them. And he goes and speaks to them. And what he speaks to them is really, really important. Um, and we'll see that this morning. The first thing that he did is he came back to tell them, peace be with you. He says it actually three times, two times in what we read, and then also in verse 26 when he sees Thomas for the first time. Remember when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my fingers in his hands and in his side. Well, when Jesus came back uh, to see Thomas eight days later, he saw the disciples, but with Thomas, he said it again. He said, peace be with you. You think if he says it three times, it's something that's pretty important, right? Um, and the word peace is, um, is the word wholeness in the Greek. It's when all essential parts are joined together. It's God's gift of wholeness. That's what peace is. Peace is a, is a uh, holistic word. It, it means peace in my emotions. The Old Testament word is the word shalom, which we know. And the word shalom means peace in my, in my uh, spirit, in my emotions, uh, a complete peace, complete wholeness. And it's God's gift to us. And these are guys that needed it. After they had scattered, after they had abandoned him, they must have been filled with shame. They must have been filled with regret. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Um, shame and regret in life, but also just shame and regret in, in our relationship with the Lord, where we just feel like, man, we've let him down. We haven't said, we haven't done what we said we were going to do. A lot of times on Easter Sunday, it's kind of a Sunday of promises where, Lord, I'm going to now go do this, and I'm going to do the other one, and I'm going to live out what you've called me to do. And then when those things don't come together and we fail, there's a shame and there's a regret that's in that. And uh, so they needed God's peace. In an incredible way. They were also really afraid. The scripture says, you know, they'd locked up the doors because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of being persecuted themselves. Um, so Jesus came back from the dead and, and, and went to them to minister wholeness to them. Isn't that kind? Isn't that kind to come and just say, listen, I want you to be whole. 
I want you to be whole again. Um, and we need peace with God. Peace that comes from grace and forgiveness. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Because my sins have been forgiven, because I've been justified by his mercy and his grace, now I have peace with God. So think about peace as kind of the, um, at being at war, being at, at, at odds with somebody. And now I have, I have peace with that person. And that person is, is God. Uh, Acts 10.36 and Romans 10.15, they call it the gospel of peace. The gospel is called the gospel of peace. I don't know how many of us need peace this morning. First of all, peace with God. Just feeling estranged. Feeling distant from God and needing that peace with him. Um, scripture that we shared on, on Good Friday, Isaiah 53, 5. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us what? Brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. So the punishment or the chastisement that, uh, that brought us peace was on him. He was punished so that I could have peace. Have you ever thought about that? Anytime that you have peace in your life, anytime that you can just kind of just, just feel peace, Jesus was punished so that you and I could have that peace. So why do we need peace with God? We need peace with God because without his grace, we're at enmity with God. James chapter four, verse four says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? With God. And so humans that are born separated from God, we're born in a condition that's, that's far from God. We're bent on our own way of, in a world that we love the world more than we love God. We need that peace with him. We need that reconciliation with him. And he comes and he brings us that. We also need peace with God in the sense of sometimes, sometimes we're restless in our relationship with God because we feel let down. We feel that God has let us down in some way. We feel like things haven't gone the way that we thought they would go. We feel like we've prayed for things that have, been, that have remained unanswered. There's just this restlessness. There's this lack of peace in our relationship with God. If you can imagine the disciples, they must have felt that, right? Because Jesus didn't, wasn't the type of Messiah that they were probably looking for. We see that because they were so surprised by what had happened. Um, they just weren't expecting that, and there's this disappointment. It almost sounds sacrilegious to say that a Christian could be disappointed with God. Uh, but that's what doubting is. That's what lack of faith is, is when we're just unsettled in our relationship with him. Is he really who he says he is? Does he really deserve my trust? Does he deserve my life? Does he, does he deserve my affections, my, my love? Does he deserve that? And he comes in our weakest moment. He comes in our times of brokenness. And he speaks peace to us to heal that relationship, even that relationship with, with him that we have as believers. And as Seth was saying, uh, you know, believers, we, we struggle. And we come to church and we bring our Facebook faces and we look like everything's perfect, but there's struggles. And a lot of times the struggle is with God himself. Where is God? What is God doing? Is there enough time left in this season of my life for God to do what we need him to do? Is there enough time in my life at all to see the promises of God? And there's this disappointment in us. And he comes and he brings and he speaks peace. We also need peace just in our lives in general. Um, his desire is for us to walk in peace. I looked up some synonyms. Uh, tranquility, 
calmness, restfulness, quietness. It's kind of the opposite of anxiety, restlessness, fearfulness, irritation. It's just this deep, settled peace. Just peace. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. You see the holistic sense of how he wants his peace to be? He wants us to have peace in every way. The Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. Can you tell the word of the day is peace? Yeah? Uh, I mean, that's his desire. And today we live in an anxious world. A lot of us struggle with anxiety. Some have um, anxiety disorders where it's just, just out of control, this anxiety that we feel, this fear, this restlessness, however it is that manifests in, in each individual person, just this anxiety, uh, fearfulness. Some of us just, just can't see the future without seeing fear, can't make normal daily decisions because of fear and anxiety. Jesus came back to the disciples, didn't go straight to heaven, came back to the disciples and spoke to them three times, peace be with you. That's his desire. We're not going to talk today about how to overcome anxiety. That's a struggle and that's a journey. Um, but we're going to talk about God's basic desire for us, his foundational fundamental desire for us is that we would walk in peace. One of the scriptures that I pray over my life almost every day is Romans 15, 13. And it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let me read that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Romans 15, 13. That verse has like four different things that I pray for. Hope, joy, peace, and faith. Think about hope, joy, peace, and faith in your life. To have more of that in your life. And in, in the scripture saying that may the God of all hope fill you with those things. So it's important sometimes just to settle in our hearts a little bit that that's God's desire for us. God's best desire, God's best plan for your life is, is to have a life of peace. And it obviously covers peace in our relationships as well. Peace with others. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Blessed are those that make peace with, with one another, and it's really, really important. So if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with fear and restlessness, uh, part of what the Lord wants to minister to us today, what he wanted to minister to me today was, is that he desires for us to have peace. He came and he spoke that really, really clearly to his disciples. The second reason that we see in John chapter 20 that, that he came back to them, that he came back specifically to them, was to speak purpose to them. John chapter 20, verse 21 says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Now that's a little scary in the context. They're seeing his, they're seeing his, his wounds. They're, they're knowing exactly what he just went through. And he's saying, hey, as God sent me, I'm sending you. That's a little scary. That'd be like, sign me up for peace. Right? I need some peace with that, with that proclamation. But what he's saying is, just as I'm sent by the Father, Jesus was, was a missionary, was the missionary, just as he sent, now God is sending them. Each of the four Gospels ends with some sort of a commission. 
uh, you know, we know the Great Commission, but Luke chapter 24 also has a, has a commission. John, or Mark chapter 16 also has a commission. And Acts chapter 1 has a commission. So we see really five times in Scripture where we're commissioned. And uh, he sends us. And this one specifically, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And this, this sending comes from a place of peace. Have you ever tried to just be full of anxiety and go out and just share your faith with people? That's a little rough, right? It comes from a place of peace. And not that the only way to, to live out our mission is to go out and just speak with strangers. It's not what I mean at all. But just this place of peace that, I, that God's given me, this peace in my relationship with him, grace in my relationship with him, and now I'm able to go. We talk about gathering and going. And we gather around God's word every day um, in our homes, and then we go. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But um, the, the thought that, that I can't go without God's grace is an important concept. And what it doesn't mean is, okay, I'm going to go, and God's grace is going to cover up all my mistakes. I mean, that, that's true. But what it means is I've had such an encounter with the grace of God that I can't do anything except go. If you see the people in the New Testament when they'd had an encounter with Jesus and they'd had an encounter with grace, they didn't sign up for an evangelism class right away. They just went. They just shared. They just told people. And, and grace is the driver when we go. He says, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. For us to go and to be sent, to be sent ones, we have to have an encounter with God's grace. If not, there's, there's just, it doesn't really make any sense in our mind. Maybe it's just something to check off of my list. Maybe I, I don't know what it is, but it, it isn't really going. Because we go when we've encountered his grace. We go when we've seen um, his, his incredible grace. His death and his resurrection have to become personal. We see in Scripture that he told the disciples, he said, look at, my, look at my hands. Look at my side. I mean, he made it incredibly personal for them. Before it became personal for them, they were locked up in a room and they were hiding. After he made it personal for them, when they saw his grace, remember, they'd scattered, they'd abandoned him, and when they saw his grace, they encountered his grace, and they, they met him again, then they were able to go. And I think for a Christian, it's, it's a really, really tricky thing. Really for anybody. It's a tricky thing to be able to walk under this incredible sense of God's grace. Just as it was for me after being wowed and overwhelmed by one of the most beautiful beaches in the world to then just see it as just kind of mundane and just everyday life. Um, I'm afraid that sometimes we've become that way with God's grace. Scripture says that the scripture itself in, in James chapter 1 basically says it's like a mirror. So when I read scripture, it's, it's in part it's being like a mirror. And if me, if I set up a mirror at the back of the, of the room back there where Galen is, and I look at myself in that mirror, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, hey, not looking too bad. I start getting a little bit closer to the mirror, and I begin to see the beginnings of a receding hairline. Uh, things start looking a little bit out of whack. I get close enough and I see the gap between my teeth, which um, I don't have any food stuck in there today. But you begin to see a little bit clearer. And it's not that the Word of God wants to make us look ugly. It's the Word of God wants to show us who we are and show us our sinfulness, show us our brokenness. And then the Word of God in the same breath will show us the grace of God. Because the grace of God becomes powerful, becomes a driver in my life, when it's compared with my own brokenness and my own sinfulness. 
And I think it's a breath of fresh air to hear uh, Seth at the beginning of the service say that we as Christians, we all need God's grace. We all need God's forgiveness. Because that's so true. Even, even if you've been at church your whole life, or maybe this is your first time here, it's almost all of us feel like we're the exception. Almost all of us feel like, man, if, if everybody in the room really knew what was going on inside my mind, if everybody in the room really knew who I was, you know, what would, what would happen? Because, because when we spend time in the Word of God, He reveals to us our own brokenness. We can see it. We can see it in a mirror, not a mirror 100 feet away, but a mirror right up against me. And, um, but then we see God's grace. And so, as a Christian, as your brother in Christ, I feel like it's, it's my obligation to help us exalt the grace of God somehow. Because that's the driver. If you want to find out what the secret is between, or, or when you see somebody that's super active for the Lord and they're serving the Lord and they're early setting up chairs or they're sharing the faith with their neighbors or their coworkers, they're just living the Christian life, as the, uh, just shining the light of God. A lot of times it's because they've seen the grace of God. And a Christian that doesn't see the grace of God a lot of times can be disengaged, can be bored, can be just kind of just checked out. Why? Because it's just kind of just average. It's just kind of just what it is. The message of the gospel is not that. It's the gospel of peace. Peace with God. So he came back to them to give them peace. He came back to them to give them purpose. And he came back to them to give them power. We see in John 20, 22, it says he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What an incredible moment. Somebody asked this morning, we read that in a, in a little circle group that we have. Somebody said, what, what do you think you would have felt like if Jesus had just breathed on you? You know, just kind of, you know, how would, that, how would that feel? And I don't, they, they didn't depict it the way I've always thought about it in my life. Uh, but he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the promises that he, that he sent. Jesus actually said, it's better for you, he said to his disciples, if I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. I mean, all of us would say, man, there wouldn't be anything better than just walking with Jesus. Well, Jesus said, it's better if I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. It's an incredible blessing. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings to us is power. He brings us the power. He brings us power to be able to, to, uh, to be his witnesses, to be able to walk in peace, to be able to, to live the Christian life. He gives me his power. And I want to share a scripture with you out of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. It's one of Paul's prayers. One of the, a great Bible study is just to read the prayers of Paul. And this is one of Paul's prayers. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, Ephesians 1.18 that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his inglorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We've heard the phrase before that the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That should be another aha moment. When we read that in Scripture, something should stir inside of us. We think, man, what an, what an incredible thing to have the power of God. Do you feel in your normal life, do you feel the, the power of God enabling you to live the Christian life? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just, just feel the grind of life. 
feel like it's all in my strength. And he said it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's by the spirit of God. And so this incredible prayer that Paul says that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we could see the immeasurable greatness of his power. The immeasurable, think about the wording here, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Incredible prayer for the power of God, the power of God in my life, what, what empowers me to, to live the Christian life, his power. What about every day we wake up and we thank him for his, his incredible power, and then we say, God, help me to walk in that today. Um, for a lot of us, Easter Sunday can be just one day a year that, that the resurrection, that's all that matters to us. It's like, yay, but then I just go back to my grind. That's not what he intended. He came back after the resurrection to speak peace, to speak purpose, and to speak power, among many other things. But just out of that passage in John, we see those three things. Uh, what, what about that? What about walking in the power of God every day? What about if Easter Sunday became an everyday thing for me, where I walk in, in the peace of God, in the power of God, in the purpose of God? Have you ever felt lost with your purpose? Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt overwhelmed with peace, or with lack of peace, with anxiety? Anxiety is, a, is such a struggle in our world today. People that you would never guess on Sunday morning uh, are crippled with anxiety. They just kind of shake it off and don't let you see it on Sunday morning. But we get lost. We lose our, um, we lose the power of God in our life. And so this morning, just in a really simple message, wanted to, to remind you of those things and wanted to encourage you in those things that God, when he comes and he says, as the Father has sent me, now I send you, he doesn't just do that so that we go out in our own strength and our own power to live the life that he's called us to live. You and I have been commissioned, but we've been commissioned to walk with his peace, uh, with his purpose, and with his power. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, God. We thank you for scripture that speaks to our heart. Thank you so much, God, for your incredible grace. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart to see your power, but also, God, to see your grace today. Lord, stir our hearts anew, uh, awaken in us, God, this, this, uh, the wonder of what it is to be a person that can, can walk in the grace of God, to be a person that's embraced by the grace of God, to be a person that's healed by the grace of God, a person that's restored by the grace of God. And Lord, my heart this morning just is heavy for people that might be here that have just felt away from you and estranged from you, probably because of misconceptions of who you are, misconceptions of what it means to be a Christian. And Lord, this morning our hope would be that they would see the grace that we see. Lord, our hope this morning would be that you would open their, their eyes so that they could see that no matter what it is that they've done in their life, no matter where it is that they've gone in their life, you come this morning and you say, peace be with you. You offer this, this gift of wholeness to us. You offer the gift of eternal life to us. 
Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that this morning hearts would be open, that people would see, people would believe. We pray for hope to rise up in hearts today for those that have been um, living with anxiety, maybe just a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, uncertainty, or those that are, that are really afflicted with, with um, anxiety. Lord, I pray for hope today. In Jesus' name, hope that we can be set free from these things. Hope that we can learn how to, how to cope and learn how to overcome. Hope that you can touch us and heal us. Lord, those that have lost their purpose, we pray that this morning we'd see that just as Jesus was sent into the world um, to love and to care and to lay down his life, Lord, you've called us to that too. You've called us to care about the prodigal. You've called us to care about the, the lost and the lonely, the left behind. And those of us, Lord, that, that need to be infused again with your power, those of us that... Uh, that just need your power for our daily lives. We pray that you would minister that to us this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray all this in Jesus' name.